0: Colonialism is a key theme in The Tempest. Penny Gay talks about the casting of a native Aborigine in the role of Caliban. We had recently a very interesting production of The Tempest... ...in which uh, the character of Caliban was for the first time ever... ...played by an Aboriginal actor, a native Australian Aboriginal actor. And the, the emphases that he gave to the lines... ...'Be not afeard, the isle is full of noises' was just astonishing. It was as though he was actually speaking about the land that he knew in a way that all the educated white folk, both on the stage and in the audience, couldn't possibly have known. It was astonishing. Um, It is, of course, commonplace and has been since, I think, uh, the late 60s to have Caliban played by a recognisably um, non-white character. Who might be thought of to be a native of some colonial, uh, some colonised island, Um, but uh, this was quite a breakthrough in Australian theatre.
1: Yatsne Singh. In *The Tempest*, something that a lot of Western students miss that there's a whole tradition of uh, rereading the play from uh, by Latin writers. You know, there's Roberto Fernandez Retamar's essay, which talks about how Latin writers have read him, or Caribbean writers have read him. Or um, there's a play that I would recommend to your students, A Tempest by Aimé Césaire in French, which is now translated, which I often teach. I think that is one play that has really uh, lent itself very well to post-colonial uh, theory. But there's also a move recently, and I'm, I'm not sure if your students have caught up, there have been several articles in the past few years. One, I think a few months ago by Doug Brewster, maybe a year ago, which basically has this sort of sense that let's bring the play back home. This is not about colonialism. This is about the individual misunderstood man or this is about the English stage. And I think that's a kind of disingenuous move.
2: I think for feminists, one of the most disturbing things in the play is that Caliban, whom we might like to think of as this rebel slave, as the anti-colonialist voice, is actually equally patriarchal. He doesn't deny that he wanted to rape Miranda. And moreover, he says, yes, I wanted to rape because I would have peopled this isle with Calibans. Now, how do you know that the progeny wouldn't have been little Mirandas? A
1: lot of third world re-readings like Lamming or Césaire or... Um, you know, in Googie, who have, who have talked to the Tempest, who have either identified with Caliban and Sea Prosper as a colonizer. Uh, they're really, in other ways, very sexist, and uh, they really don't question the kind of gender hierarchies very much.
2: Anya Limba. There's only one woman character. She's alone on the island, and for the first part of her life and for the first act of the play, she has been totally commanded by Prospero, her father. So it's a play which actually um, symbolizes the operations of patriarchy in a very sort of dramatic way. Yotsna Singh.
1: Mrs. never has Sycorax appear. You know, she's the native woman, the Caribbean woman. Or with Claribel's marriage to the Tunisian king. So I think that's one of the real issues in, even in Othello, And I think in a lot of post-colonial theory, and I I think in a lot of um, theoretical work that is very compartmentalised as far as I'm concerned. It's like this is race and this is gender and this is queer theory and everybody has their little turf. Uh, And that's a real problem I have with it. Stephen Regan.
3: We've heard about recent rereadings of The Tempest, post-colonial readings, feminist readings. Where does criticism go now? Jerry Broughton: I think it learns from those developments um, and I think that they're very important. I think it's been very important to put issues of colonization into our readings of the plays. I think that now we do move on. I think that we complicate the way that we think about the play. I think we ask whether it's valid anymore to talk about colonization. Is't it actually slightly anachronistic? because actually if you're being historically specific, English colonization hadn't really got going at the time. Now, perhaps we want to consider whether we're believing the myth that the play in itself is starting to create. The play also has a very vivid geographical imagination about that space of the old world. And that space of the old world is very much ever-present in maps um, and geographical treatises of the time. So, I mean, if we look at images like this, an early 16th century global image of the world, the focus is on Africa and the old world. And that's very much the focus throughout this period, which is imbued with a classical past, people wearing classical clothing. That's what you're getting in the play, a a cutting backwards and forwards from the classical past to the contemporary present. This is not a play which is about confident colonization. It's about how you use power and knowledge towards forms of colonization and imperial power. And that's very different from just saying, yes, here we have confident English celebration of colonial power and authority. I think that we need to question as well the uh, simplified notion of the relationship between Caliban and Prospero as that between colonized and colonizer. Yes, that's a very important dimension. But let's take a step back. Let's think about the relationships in terms of learning and power and authority. Who possesses the books? Prospero possesses the books. Caliban says, first possess his books. That's how you get hold of power and authority. Caliban knows that. So, again, he has a sense of uh, knowing what he wants within a social hierarchy, which puts him alongside other figures throughout Shakespeare's canon. People like the porter in Macbeth, and of course, the rude mechanicals in Midsummer Night's Dream as well. The Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk
1: Arts.